0: Well, last Christmas during uh, Christmas break, we took our girls and we headed to Chicago uh, for a few days. And being the tightwad that I am, I thought to myself, man, if we just turned off the heat altogether, like we could save a lot of money. And so that's what I did. Well, we had our few days in Chicago, and then uh, we're driving back, and we get a phone call from some friends of ours who uh, had went and checked on the house, and uh, Jen picked up the phone, and the lady said, well, the temperature in the house right now is 49 degrees, and it's freezing cold, and we just wanted to know, did you want it that way? And I'm driving, if you can imagine, I'm driving here, Jen's here, and all of a sudden this arm starts to move right to my stomach. And very, very quickly, almost like a sucker punch, bam, right there to my gut. And I'm like, ah! She's like, Chris! And it wasn't like, Chris, I love you. It was like, Chris, I'm going to beat you down like, you know, Holly Holm did Ronda Rousey this week. You know what I mean? Like she was going to do a beat down on me, and I was scared. Well, uh, our friends then told Jen, they said, We got some more bad news. Uh, the hamster isn't moving. Yeah, it was bad. And so all of a sudden, this arm again comes from the left side right at me. Bam, hits me in the stomach again. You killed Olivia! And I'm driving, I'm like, oh boy, this is not good. Now, I had never prayed for a hamster before. <laughs> but man, I went to my knees and I'm praying for the hamster. Lord, please, you know, save this hamster. Whatever you got to do, take care of it, you know. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear, I hear our friends, you know, through the phone. They're like, she's back. And I'm like, what? And they're like, she's resurrected. And... Uh, they took a towel and they wrapped it around her and I guess her body kind of warmed up a little bit. I mean, it had fur, so I thought it was okay. But, you know, and so they wrapped it around and uh, pretty soon then, you know, they're like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's, it's going to be fine. And so we drive up and... The girls are like, oh, we're so excited to see Olivia. I'm like, oh, thank God, you know. And we walk in, and uh, Olivia's playing and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And the girls are happy, and Jen's happy, and all is back in order at the bunch house. Until three weeks later, Olivia died. Olivia's dead. There's sadness. Jennifer comes up to me in the midst of, you know, the coroner finding that, you know, the... The hamster's gone. And she goes, you murderer. (laughs) At least that's what I thought she said. And And I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, I didn't kill the rat. You know, it died of natural causes. It survived for three weeks. She's like, no, it had hypothermia and it had kidney failure. And she goes through this whole diagnosis. I'm like, oh my gosh. So now the whole household has changed. The girls are crying. Jen's crying. Now we've got to take Olivia and bury her. And so we find this little green Christmas box, and we put Olivia in there. And I start to walk out the door because I know that I'm going to have to dig with a big shovel in this frozen ground. And my youngest daughter, Shiloh, doesn't join us. She gets on her knees like this, and we're all walking away. And we're like, Shy, come on. She's like, isn't anyone going to pray and so now we all, we have to drag ourselves back in, you know, and we all, and she's like, knees, like everyone on your knees. And so we're like all on our knees at that point. And I'd never had a hamster funeral in my life. You know, uh, I'd never been trained with that. So we like start singing songs and praying. There's like scripture going. I'm praying that Olivia will see her in heaven, you know, again. And like all this is going on and we finally get up, we go outside, we get the shovel, the ground is frozen. And I'm, like, trying to dig as, as much as I can, but I can't get it all. And, and I dig it so much, and Jen's like, that's not big enough. It's like, what do you mean? It's only that big. She's like, it's not big enough. They'll, You're the murderer, remember? Dig. So I'm, like, digging. She's like, animals can get in there. And then the girls are like, animals? No, not Olivia and some animals. So we dig it all. We get it all taken care of. And my oldest daughter, Jordan, she looks and she goes, it's a very bad day, Dad. It's a very bad day. Well, we walked from that bad day, that horrible moment, and we're walking away from all of that. And Jordan then turns to me and she goes, Dad, let's go out to eat for lunch and let's get a guinea pig. And uh, it was like everything had been taken away. She was not worried anymore. There was thankfulness in the bunch household again. Now, here's the thing, folks. Some of you this, this Thanksgiving holiday. You're dealing with a lot bigger stuff than just the death of a guinea pig. Some of you are dealing with relational stuff. You're mourning the fact that someone in 2015 was taken out of your life, some of you've gone through divorce, some of you've gone through pain, hurts, all kinds of stuff, and you're like, "How am I going to make it through this Thanksgiving?" Maybe some of you have been diagnosed with cancer recently. You haven't told anybody. Or maybe you're getting ready to take the test. Maybe for others, you're like, someone came into your life who was so important and you loved so much and they said, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving you for somebody else. Maybe you've got a chronic illness right now and you're not sure if it'll ever get better. Maybe you've been unemployed and you've had 20 interviews lately and every single one you've been rejected. Maybe your dreams collapsed. Maybe you had to file bankruptcy this year, and you're just barely making it. Or maybe there is a loved one who you cared for so much, and you wonder, how are we going to make it through the holidays? And so the question becomes, how can you make it through bad times when troubles hit, when hurricanes hit, when tsunamis hit, when emotional things happen that wipe you out? Well, today, I want to talk to you about four things that even in the midst of bad times that I think you can be grateful for. And here's the very first one. It'll come up on the side screen. If you want to fill it in in your program, you can. Here's number one. I can always be thankful for the grace that God shows me. I can always be thankful for the grace that God shows me. Now, the question might be, well, what's grace? Like, what does that mean? This is what grace is. Grace equals the fact that God gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Grace says that there's nothing you can do to make you love me less, God says. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. God simply loves you as is. If I got what I deserved, folks... For all the bonehead things I've done in my life, I wouldn't be alive, and you wouldn't be either. You see, everything in life is a gift of God's grace. The air that you're breathing right now, it's a gift from God. The heartbeat that you don't even think about, that has been beating this entire time you've been in here, is a gift of God's grace. You see, grace is a free gift. You can't earn it. It's free. For you. you can't buy it. You can't be so religious that you actually are going to gain it. It's just free. It's a free gift for those who turn to Christ and say, I want to have a relationship with you. And the reason I can be thankful is not because I deserve everything that God's given to me, but because it's out of grace. The reason that God forgives me, it's not because I deserve it. It's just a gift of his grace. The reason that he loves me is not because I deserve it. It's just a gift of his grace. The reason he chooses to have a relationship with me is not because I deserve it, but it's a free gift of his grace. The reason that he blesses me, protects me, cares for me, takes me to heaven is not because that I deserve it. But it's a gift of God's grace. And this is God's greatest gift to human beings. Grace. Psalm 103 gives this whole long list of what God's gift of grace looks like. Let's look at it. It says this. David, the guy who wrote over half, or or who wrote, who was the greatest king in the Old Testament, in the first half of the Bible, he writes these words. I will not forget the glorious things In other words, the gracious things God does for me. He forgives all my sins. That's grace. He heals me. That's grace. He ransoms me from hell. That's grace. He surrounds me with love. He fills my life with good things. He's merciful and tender toward those who don't deserve it. That means me. He is slow to get angry. He never bears a grudge. Don't you love that about God? You can turn away from him, you can ignore him, you can go off, you can do horrible things to other people. And he says, you know what, at the end of the day, if you'll turn back to me, I don't hold a grudge. He's not punished us as we deserve for our sins. That's grace. I can always be thankful for grace because grace is given to me every second of every day. The second thing that you can be thankful to God for this Thanksgiving is this. I can always thank God for the good plans he has for my life. I can always be thankful for the plans that God has for my life. And God doesn't just have any plan for your life. He actually has a good plan for your life. Now, not all things in life are good. In fact, there are a lot of things in life that are just horrible. They're horrible. And I'm not going to be smiley pastor up here today and go, all you have to do is believe and the sun will come out tomorrow. Because the truth is, if you've gone through some stuff, you know sometimes you wake up the next morning and the sun doesn't come out. You're like, how am I even going to make it through this day? There are a lot of bad things that happen In this world. All the time it happens. And the tragedy. That we saw in Paris. Just kind of elevates the fact. That there are bad things. That are happening all the time. Now. Not everything in your life. Is something that God planned. Everything in your life. Is not something that God planned. But everything in your life. He says I can fit it. Into the plan that I have for you. Jeremiah 29.11 says this. I have good plans for you. If you would circle that word good. That's the important thing. He actually has good plans for you. Says the Lord. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. A lot of people go around thinking that God is mad at me. The reason why all of this is happening in my life is because God is mad at me. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. He's mad about you. Every morning you wake up, he's constantly the first person that is thinking about you. And throughout your day and even while you sleep, God is constantly thinking about you. He loves you more than anyone else. There is no one else on planet Earth who is going to love you more... Than God himself. Now, some people worship a God who they think causes their suffering. I worship a God who bears my suffering. He doesn't cause the suffering. He bears my suffering. Look at the cross. It's simply a symbol of Of the fact that Jesus goes to a cross, why? To bear our suffering, to bear our sin, our guilt, our shame, our mistakes, anything and everything else was placed upon the cross. We have a God who doesn't just suffer with us, he actually suffered for us. And that's good news. God has good plans for every single person in this place. God doesn't plan your sins. I've heard that before. People come in like, yeah, I said it. I think God made me do it. What? God didn't make you do anything. You did it. Every single stupid thing Chris Bunch has ever done in his life. It's not God's fault. Whose fault is it? Your fault. No, I'm joking. It's my fault, right? Everything. Everything. That goes against the plan of God. I'm choosing that. So God doesn't plan the sins done by you. And this is the other thing. God doesn't plan the sins that happen to you from another person. Some of you have had some painful things that have happened in your lives. And God doesn't set that plan in motion. Those people hurt you, but it wasn't a part of his plan. But this is what he says. I can even take those things, however horrible they may be, and I can take those and I can do something good. I can fit them all into the plan. I'll take anything and everything and I'll fit them into the plan. And God looks at the dumb decisions that I've made and he says, I can fit that into the plan. I can fit that into the plan. I can fit that into the plan. Oh, a bunch. You did that? Seriously? Seriously? Okay, even that, I can take that thing and I can fit it into the plan. Because this is the truth, folks, is that God doesn't have a plan B for your life. He didn't create you with a plan B. He has one plan. And because he knows all things, even the things that people will do to you, that he doesn't agree with and that breaks his heart and that he doesn't want to happen. But he says, I can take all of those things and I can fit them into place and I can still keep the plan good. He says, I can take even the bad things that have happened in your life and I can make good come out of them. God's will and your will is kind of like going on a cruise. Okay? You have a free will to kind of do whatever you want to do. You are free, though, only to a certain way. You have limited free will. For example, let's say that I decide to take you to this place right here, the Virgin Islands. And we go, some of you are like, dude, I'm ready to go right now. You you know, it's snowing, it's 18 degrees, count me in. But let's say we get to Fort Lauderdale, and we take a cruise to the Virgin Islands. Well, in those days that you're on the ship, you have a lot of freedom on the cruise. You can go to all seven buffets for the entire time. And even once it becomes midnight, you're like, I'm going to the midnight buffet. You can just eat yourself to death the entire time. You can walk around the ship. You can, you know, go ahead and go swimming. You can go dancing with me, you know? like to whip, whip, and watch me at night. Remember last week? Remember that? Some of you want moves like me, I can tell. But you could. You could do that. You could go dancing. You could go buy stuff. You could uh, go to shows. You could go just lay out on the deck and sleep and get all the raisin. There's a lot of freedom that you can do to whatever you want to do. But no matter what you do... The ship is still going to get to the Virgin Islands. You're not going to stop the ship. No matter what you think, it is going there. The captain is going to make sure that it gets ported at the ship. And God's greatest plan for your life is much bigger than the problems that you're dealing with right now. God's purpose for your life is much bigger than the plans that you're dealing with right now. And he says, I can fit it all in. I can use everything that you've done, good, bad, ugly. I put it all in. I fit it to use it. Even the things, the harmful things that other people have done to you, I can take those things and I can fit them in the plan and I can bring good out of it. You see, the whole point is God loves to take crucifixions and turn them into resurrections. He specializes in taking stuff and turning it upside down for his good. Okay, bunch, uh, good, you know, whatever. Good, good, good little speech, speech so far. But, dude, what happens when tragedy hits? Like, what happens when the wheels fall off? When you know you just get hit broadsided and your life falls apart. What about then? I mean, those are the times when people often will start questioning God. They'll start going, why, why? And they'll doubt God. And God's like, that's okay. You can doubt. You can question. You can have your why questions. God's bigger than our anger, our doubts, or anything else. He says, give it all to me. I don't care. But this is what I've learned. Is that often we want explanations for moments, but explanations do not comfort. Explanations never comfort. For example, if my wife, Jennifer, if she dies tonight and tomorrow morning they do an autopsy and all these doctors come up and they say, well, this is what uh, happened to her. We can explain it to you. Do you think that's going to give me any comfort? Not at all, because I'll be mourning and suffering the loss explanations. Many times, folks, just do not give you any comfort. And I don't know about you, but my brain is way too small to understand all the pain and hurt that happens in the world. In fact, I've come to the fact that most of my life, there are going to be many things that I will never fully understand until I get to heaven. So either you stew over all the stuff that's going on in your life and the life uh, around you, and what you can explain, or you start thanking God For his grace and the good plans that he has for your life. Romans 8.28 says this. We know that in all things, not just the good things, but in all things, God works for the good. It doesn't say that all things are good because there's a lot of life that is not good. But God works for the good in all things for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. I don't know what you're worried about this Thanksgiving, but I bet there are some worries here, even though we prayed earlier. Maybe you're worried because of a health issue you're going through. Maybe you're worried because of finances. Maybe you're worried because your marriage is just not working out the way that you're hoping it would. Maybe you're single and you're wondering, hey, I wonder if I'll ever get married again or ever get married You may be worried uh, that if you've struggled with abuse issues, am I ever going to stay clean? Am I ever going to get hired again? Am I ever going to get a baby? And on and on and on it goes. And you can feel the tension and you can feel the anxiety because you start worrying and you're overwhelmed by whatever that is. And you're like, how in the world can I be thankful when these situations are going on? And yet... If you'll just lift up your hand to God, God says that I'll reach down and I'll give you grace to get through whatever you're going through and I will show you good plans that I can fit all of those things in. And there's good news. And that's something to be thankful for. Here's the third thing you can be thankful for. No matter how bad things get in your life, I can always be thankful to God for his promises to never leave me. That he promises that I will never, ever leave you. You never go through this life on your own. You may feel alone, but you're not on your own. God is always with you. God never leaves you for a single moment. And how do I know that? Because bunch boy up there said it. No, it's because that's what God's word says. Let's read this next scripture. God is speaking to us. Let's read this out loud together. Everybody in one voice. I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Now, I looked up that word never in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament. Do you know what the word never in the Greek means? Never. That's what it means. And it's like never, 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 It means no way, Jose. It means nada, zero, zilp, zitch. Not a chance. Not on your life. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. God says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never walk away from you. If you go through the darkest valley, the darkest moments, even through death itself... I will never leave you. And that's worth thanking God for. Now, I realize that in a group this size, that some of you have been abandoned by your dad. You've been abandoned by your mom. You've been abandoned by a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You've been abandoned by a husband or a wife. You've been abandoned By a family member. You've been abandoned by a friend. You've been abandoned by someone that you thought you could really count on, and at the end of the day, you realize you just couldn't so much. But this is the truth, folks God will never abandon you. He will never, ever leave you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never walk away from you. Isaiah 43 2 says this. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. It will not consume you. That's the promise. That's what you have to be thankful for, that he never leaves you. This morning, I'd like you to hear the story of a family who went through a horrible tragedy. But in the midst of that tragedy, they realized that they were never abandoned by God. And for that, they could be thankful. So if you would, uh, please join me and welcome the Roberts family uh, to come up and to share that story. A little bit of a tight squeeze, but uh, we'll survive. Well, this is uh, Tom and Amy and Jamie Roberts, and uh, we're so glad that uh, they are here today. And they're going to share with us a kind of a story, uh, not a kind of a story, a story of their life in which they went from tragedy, even in the midst of that, of knowing that God was there and how they overcame Uh, and how they're continuing to overcome and to understand God's thankfulness. So, guys, first of all, thanks for sharing your story today. And, uh, Tom, why don't you share a little bit about what happened on uh, July 4th, 2011? All right. First off,
1: we're a family of six. And so this is the three of us. That My oldest son was here this morning, the first service, and then we have two other boys. And uh, our second oldest son, Craig... Was coming home for the weekend. That weekend, he's from he was in Evansville at a college, and it's the first time for a long time that the entire family had been together. We had a blast cooking out, playing games, and it was like there was no fighting. Unbelievable! <laughs> and so, Sunday morning after the uh, the the fun Saturday, Jamie and I and Jeff went to church. The others were lazy; they stayed home. And uh, on the way back, I'll never forget it because Jeff plugs in his iPod and he plays the, the highest volume, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Ca- and we're singing along with him and just having a good old time. And he is 18 years old. So here we are. And that's the way he was. His imagination was just tremendous. And um, <clears throat> then we, we played games again Sunday and uh, ate pizza and then sat down to watch Harry Potter. It was the sixth in the series, and we were getting ready because two weeks later, the final Harry Potter was coming out. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and I said, I'm done, I'm going to bed. And and Amy tells me later that Jeff said, you know, I'm not feeling the greatest, so I think I'll just hop to bed too. So he went to bed. And the next morning, we wake up, and, well, Amy and I, I wake up, I wake Jamie up, and we go to GFS and get some food for lunch. It's about noon on July 4th. And my son, oldest son Andy came over and he had walked over to Jeff's bedroom and he just, he screams, something is wrong with Jeff. And we all ran over there and uh, it was all over. He was gone. He uh, had passed away. His heart, we found out later uh, that his heart, he had an athlete's heart. He was a cross country runner and it just stopped beating. And so, That was what happened to us.
0: Yeah. So So this tragedy uh, happens, uh, hits big time. And, Amy, I know that, you know, when funerals come, um, everyone's there. You've got all the support. You've got all the encouragement. But then you leave from that place, and um, reality hits, and you kind of got to deal with your grief. And so I wondered if you could share just a little bit about kind of how— how you were consumed by that, and what was that like going into that empty house?
2: Well, life was definitely a fog. I'm sure they can. I didn't do a whole lot. Um, the that I knew I had to be there for the rest of the family too. But um, it was just like, how do I make it to tomorrow? I mean, it's like everybody else. Life goes on. The rest of the world. Now our family life had pretty much stopped but for everyone else life went on um i i mean I had people from church that sent me encouraging verses that helped and there, you know i had friends that stayed around but it it was just uh life stopped yeah. you know everything was just in a fog i walked around just day oh well i think i can get up today so yeah
0: so everything is kind of a fog, and you're just trying to kind of make it in the midst of it. Through that, the day, yeah. Yeah, just hour by hour that. kind of thing. Uh, Jamie, I know for you, you and Jeff were like best buds, uh, best friends. And how did his death, like, kind of impact your life?
3: Um, Jeff and I were really close in age, so we did everything together. Um, he was, like, one of my best friends, um, so it was really hard um, for me. When he passed away. Um, and it was really hard because um, like going to school, I would um, I'd be my, around my friends and they were dealing with things like tough classes or stuff. And I was in this depression that I just, no one, I felt like no one understood. I'm having trouble getting up in the morning and um, going to school, being reminded that my brother's not at school with me when he should be. Um, so it was just that was really hard, and um, at at our school um, they tried to be like, oh, let's do something in memory of Jeff, which was awesome. They put his picture on a locker, and there was a lot of stuff in memory of him. But I was having to look at that every day and being reminded that my brother is not here with me anymore, and it was really hard. So my heart was just broken.
0: Yeah. So for you, you're kind of you come home and you're like everyone else's life is going on but mine's still stuck and then you get daily reminders of it of hey we're doing this for Jeff or something's going on well the cool thing about the Roberts story is that it doesn't just end there because a lot of times you know people as well as I do that um they get stuck in their grief and they just get really bitter and angry and resentful um and even though when tragedy comes uh uh Tom I know that um in a real way that people blame God. Um, but can you talk a little bit about where blame was or where thankfulness eventually kind of, you know, came uh, in the midst of that? Yeah,
1: it wasn't really blaming God as much as it was uh, a wrestle. And so after the wrestling match was, o- match was over, you basically is you're either going to curse God and turn away and walk away or else you're going to fall to your knees and, and say, let's, let's do this. We're in this together. And, and so that came down to me, what I call a crisis of faith. Do you really believe what you've been taught? Do you really believe what you believe? Do you really believe the words in that, that Bible over here? And if you don't, then, then you won't make it. <clears throat> and it just, at that point... Uh, it's not blaming, it's thankfulness that God gave me every bit of that. That the people in the past, the Bible studies, all that was, was preparedness for what was going to happen.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so you really were able to turn that into a thankful heart of like, I'm not thankful that my son died. I'm thankful that God is with me in the midst of this. And there's a promise beyond yeah. this time that Did, I get to see. Have something? Yeah. Um, I was like
3: more um angry at god than anything and um i just kept getting reminded to pray pray um but it just always ended up being me yelling at god i would just scream like why would you take my brother from me why like why um why couldn't you just let me say goodbye it's just like (laughs) um and then i just kept getting reminded like he just kept saying to me I love you. I love you. So um, I was like, great, you love me. Like, but I'm still going through this really sucky situation. Um, but then I was just, um, one day I just remember um, him saying to me, I love you. And um, it was just a reminder of his perfect love. Because of his perfect love, I get to see my brother again. Like I get to go, um, I know my brother is in heaven and I will be able to see him again. So that's just something that I've been able to be thankful for during that time.
0: Yeah, and it often says, you know, there's a scripture that says, perfect love casts out fear. Love doesn't cast out fear. Perfect love. God's kind of love does that. Uh, Amy, can you talk a little bit about how thankfulness kind of uh, moved in your life um, and how healing uh, kind of took place?
2: Yeah, healing, well, I'm not healed. I don't think I will be until I'm in heaven. There's good days and bad days, but healing is definitely a process. But like Jamie just said, the hope, I'm so thankful that I have, because of God, I have that hope. Well, actually, I know I'm going to see Jeff. I know where I'm going. I know where Jeff is. So we have that eternal, we're going to be there. One day... We don't know when, but one day we will get to see him again. So that helps in the healing process to have that to look forward
0: to. And what what were some other things that helped you in that healing process? You
2: yeah, we um, for me to stay busy helps me do a lot of things. But in this situation, serving, uh, just going and serving. So we as a family serve. We join safe families, so we serve by. We have little Leon with us sometimes. So,
0: so they've kind of taken in a, a child that the uh, parents struggle with being able to parent. And so they bring this child in and care for him. And he was actually at our uh, Bible school this year, uh, one of the 100 kids that was there. Uh, and because of your impact to give, so that, we, that you would be thankful for. Right. It, right?
2: right. We, we kept him for a while. And then now he comes so every so often during the week. And then we also serve on christian weekends and we just have different things yeah try to serve as much as we can because that it's just a way to help me heal
0: right exactly now i know you have uh jamie this t-shirt on your dad and everybody has one here uh called jog for jeff can you talk a little bit about that and how you turned uh this tragedy into thankfulness
3: um so jeff was um a runner um he ran cross country and track And before he passed away, he was um, getting ready for his senior year of cross-country. He was really excited to be the best he could. Um, So when he passed away, um, there were teachers and um, a student at Daleville who decided to um, do a run in his memory. And then um, we took the money that was raised the first time and we um, started a scholarship in his name to help um, seniors in the area Um, with like college funds and such. So um, the run is held in November and um, we have the ability to like um, give the money to graduating seniors of Daleville and also seniors of the Delaware County Pride Team which Jeff was involved in. Um, It's a program that um, has people from, or students from Delaware County who go around to elementary schools and talk about how to be drug-free. So um, he was really passionate about that. And how
0: much money has been... Oh, here's the accountant. Uh, he's an accountant, so he's going to tell you down to the cent. Uh, and, and wasn't it initially that they were just going to give the money to you as a family, and you said, we don't want to do that. We want to give that away in thankfulness to God for what he's done in our lives. And what's the grand total, accountant?
1: Right now, we've given away $14,500. $14,500. <clears throat> Thanks. And we, we look because another six thousand dollars was raised this year. And so it's just going to continue to grow. But it's far beyond just the scholarships, because every time we give a scholarship, we get a chance to talk about Jeff and about where he's at and why he's there. And and it's a way to be thankful and do it all for the glory of God. Same thing at the jog for Jeff itself. We have a chance to talk about him. And and talk about the God that He loves, and, and where He's at, and so everything we do, we try to do it for the glory of God. In this case, because that was the deal, the so-called deal I made.
0: <laughs> so yeah. that's yeah. Well, what a great story! And uh, can you just join me in thanking them for uh, sharing their story? Uh, today? Well, stories like that always give me encouragement to know kind of what our last point is. And uh, it's this. I can always be thankful for the home that God has prepared for me. I can always be thankful for the home that God has prepared for me. Folks, if this is all there is, this is miserable. I mean, this alone is not enough for me. I'd be in ultimate despair. There's no way that Tom and Amy and Jamie could come up here and share their story if they felt like this was all there is. But they know there's something more than that. And Jesus said this. He said, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus has prepared a place for every single person In this gym today. What is heaven going to be like? Scripture tells us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him. We don't truly understand what heaven's going to look like because it's going to be so magnificent you cannot even explain it. We couldn't do it in human words. But there are some things that are going to happen in heaven. The first thing is we're going to be reunited with those that we love who have turned to Christ. We get a chance to be reunited with them. I have a grandma in heaven. I have a grandpa in heaven. I have an uncle in heaven. I have a friend named Jeff Roberts who's in heaven. I have many friends who are in heaven that I get to connect with. And we will be reunited. The other thing that we know is going to happen in heaven is that we're going to be released From our pain. Scripture says this that in heaven there is no more sadness, no more tears, no more grief, no more uh, remorse, no more sorrow, because there is no such thing as death in heaven. Scripture says there'll be no more disease, no more discouragement, no more depression. There'll be no more broken bodies, broken minds, broken relationships, broken promises. Heaven will be the place where everything is made whole. We also know that in heaven we're going to be rewarded. One of the questions that God is going to ask you is what did you do with what I gave you? Did you take the gifts and talents and resources that I've given you, and did you just use them for yourself, or did you store up treasures in heaven? 1 Peter 1 says this, God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. When Jesus Christ went to the cross and died, he put a reservation in heaven for you. The question becomes, are you going to accept the reservation? Will you say, yes, I'm willing to accept what this reservation is. And all of God's children will be in heaven. Now, does that mean that everyone's going to be in heaven? Absolutely not. I mean, if Hitler were going to be in heaven, if genocide dictators were going to be in heaven, if terrorists were going to be in heaven, then it's no different than planet Earth. Is everybody a child of God? Absolutely not. Every single person is created by God, but not everybody is a child of God. Everybody that has ever been created, God loves. God longs to have a relationship. He knows them. He wants to be there. But the only way that that happens is when you choose to be a part of his family. He reaches down from heaven longing to have a relationship with you. But he will not force his hand into your life. You ultimately have to reach up and say, I want to be a part of his family. And you can brush God off. You can flip your nose at Him. You can say, I can be my own God. I'll do things my way. I don't need your grace. I don't need a Savior. I'm good enough. That's why people that go to church sometimes, sometimes people go to church for years and decades. They go to church and they think that going to church makes them good enough. Really? Really? I know some of you. I know what you're like. It's not your church attendance that is going to get you there. What is it that gets you there? It is having a relationship and doing it God's way. And what's God's way? God's way is this. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I'm not a way. He said, he didn't say, I am one of the ways. He said, I am the way to heaven. I am the way to God. Now, either what Jesus said is true, or he's the biggest liar ever to walk planet Earth. And I'm betting my life that what he said is true. I'm betting my one and only life on what he said is true. And I'm asking you this morning, what are you betting your life on? What are you betting your life on? Folks, to miss heaven is dreadful. Because what you have to finally do is when God reaches his hand down, you push him away and you say, I reject your love and your pride. I don't need your forgiveness. I don't need you to be in my life. I don't need your grace. I don't need a savior. That scripture says this. God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. Then it goes on to say this. It is kept in heaven for you. Pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power will make sure. Look at that. God in his mighty power will make sure. What does he make sure? That you get there safely. It is the job of the cruise captain, folks, to get you to your final destination. It's not your job. It's God's job. It's not my job. It's God's job. Your job is to be able to say, I surrender the one thing I have, which is my life to you. And God reaches down and says, I'll never let go. I'll hold on to your hand and I will never let go. And I will walk with you every single moment of your days on earth. And I will walk you into heaven. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, We offer suffered death But we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up again. We know that God raised the Lord back to life. And just as he raised Jesus, he will also raise us back to life and will bring us into his presence. So we don't focus on the troubles we see right now. Instead, we look forward to what we don't yet see. For the troubles we see now are temporary, but the joys to come will last forever. Today, no matter where you're at on the spiritual continuum... Whether you know Christ or you don't know Christ, no matter what you've done or what you haven't done, he says today that if you'll reach up to me, I'll never let go. I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I will never let go of you.